have I got a story for you. Or maybe this one is a quick dip into the shallow end of a philosophical thought pool. An intellectual Australian, currently residing in France, talks about his love of books, which spurred the creation of a podcast, with a simple American who finds out dude was just fucking deflecting because he didn't want to delve deeper into his inner rat lapper. But first, today's sponsor, Dryer Sheets. Need you to raise your hand if you enjoy static cling. Wait, let me get a good count. Just as we anticipated, not a fucking soul. Zero. And if I didn't see you in the back with your fingers flailing about, excited over the abundance of charged particles invading the fabrics of your freshest linens, so sorry. Dryer sheets allow your cotton tees to breathe. They stop those stage five virgin particle clingers from gripping your torso and never letting go. Appreciate the urgency here. A static clinging shirt has to be the worst, most uncomfortable clothing experience after a wedgie. And it's all preventable thanks to dryer sheets. Dryer sheets don't stop at just static prevention. As an added bonus, they maintain the subtle softness you enjoy in your wardrobe while adding perfect amounts of cloth line hung freshness that is so hard painstakingly hard to authentically get. Who has the fucking time? They basically fabricate the outdoor smell while negating the risk of birds shitting all over your fresh washed laundry. Easy to use, effective, never failing. Dryer sheets are the staple to Sunday laundry days being a success. I really thought I was going to fucking nail all this alliteration today. God, so close. So the next time you hear the buzz of your dryer going off, don't rush. Stay in the moment as you gather those warm garments into your arms. Take a deep breath. Inhale and prevail over static clinging stench by using a dryer sheet. We are also brought to you by the Getting to Know You Pod. Please take the time during this intro to rate, review, comment, and subscribe on the podcast platform you use to push play. Spotify, Apple, iHeart, we don't give a fuck as long as you leave a review. Your time and clicks are so greatly appreciated by us here at the pod. Also, please, friend, follow the pod on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. It's hella lonely out here on the World Wide Web without friend and followers. And now, getting to know you. Hello. Getting to know you. Getting to know all about you. I'm going to do a terrific show today. Getting to like you. Getting to hope you like me. Because I'm good enough. Getting to know you. Putting it my way, but nicely. I'm smart enough. You are precisely and doggone it. my cup of tea. On today's show, we are getting to know Ryan. And Ryan is coming from one of the more advanced time zones I've had to deal with, France. How's it going, man? I'm going really well, and it's good to chat. Yeah, right? Thanks for coming on, dude. Um, and we were talking before, and it is kind of boring, I guess, but maybe not. Um, you have a podcast yourself, you were telling me. Yeah, this is, uh, it seems to be the way that um, there's a number of people jumping on board the, the, the podcast bandwagon and, you know, all exploring different areas of areas of interest. So, yeah, it's been something that uh, a friend and I have been bubbling in the background for about 18 months now, actually. Uh, strangely, it's been, a, it's been an ongoing thing and, and it dawned off the back of a book club uh, okay. that we were building. <laughs> and all of a sudden we just decided why don't we try and increase the outreach here and and get a few more people on board and and 
that's kind of been the, the motion since. So we finally got around to launching that earlier this year and um, it's been an exciting process. So it's, yeah, what's learning the uh, experience. I was going to say, what's the name of it or what do you call it? Uh, it's, yeah, it's the Abstractable Podcast. Abstractable. And in most most places we're, we're under the, the alias, the Abstractable um, particularly on Instagram where we do a lot of our, most of our kind of posting and, and uh, getting it out there in that way. So, but obviously on all the different platforms, you know, yeah, to listen to it. and Apple and things too. So, right. And is it like book centered? I noticed on your Instagram, um, on your page, you're, you seem hella smart with all the books you're reading. <laughs> so is the abstractable all about like, um, just book reviews talking about different books? I wouldn't, I wouldn't let all the, um, I wouldn't let all that disguise you just, just reading me, reading a few books doesn't make me smart. So, <laughs> but yeah, the, the book, the, the, the show is centered around our conversations that we have, uh, to do with books. Uh, they're basically books that we've read that have really made a big impact on um, our lives. Hopefully in, right. in each instance, they're, they kind of qualify to, to get an episode going and then, from there, we will kind of draw out what we thought were just some of the nice things that we took away. We'll do a little introduction on what the author is and what they have to say and where they've come from themselves. A lot of a lot of rags to riches stories in, in right. some of these. And um yeah, but we I think we made we made one one kind of core piece, which was that we weren't going to be like a book summary, you know, a book summary service. And that's that's kind of the intent. We want it to be a more of a free flowing conversation about great ideas and and then throwing in a bit of pragmatism and get to get people you know hopefully hopefully they can take something away from from some of the stuff that we're learning uh, as we go. Dude, that's a great fucking idea, man. Because like I I'm I'm a huge. I feel like if you're gonna read a book just to summarize it, like I I don't I don't know if that's what reading should be. I feel like reading should inspire, make you think, make you like conversate and have thoughts more so than like recounts. Um, we, we, we have a, we have a very gimmicky, uh, uh, catch line, but it, it does strangely enough summarize it, um, quite well, which is, it's the podcast for the curious and, you know, people with the desire to learn, right? Um, Dude, which is. is kind of our ultimate, ultimate audience. So, you know, there's a deep curiosity um, not just for the hard and fast, you know, facts, because there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff out there around, you know, do these five habits and you'll be a success, or right. you know, take on these three things and you'll learn to love yourself or something. Like there's there's a little bit more nuance to it, and we want to use this as an opportunity to explore some some of these ideas and then and really really show it on a um, hopefully a bit more of a relatable level because. Know, we aren't world famous in in what we're doing. We're we're Yet. going along the journey ourselves, and <laughs> hopefully, there's a bit of relatability in that. Right. And so, was it? You said earlier in the year. So this was not like a podcast that was spawned from being bored through quarantining. <laughs> no, as I said, we 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 kicked it off off the back of a book club that was um, getting going from our end, and. Right. Uh, and we basically canned that and started recording some of the conversations. And then over time, it, it sort of built a bit of steam really across the last 18 months. And and because I think it was probably because there's been such a, a you know, a, a number of podcasts that are out there simply now these days, we thought, well, maybe we put a little bit more effort into, into how we're going about doing this. And so, you know, we ended up finding someone to do the branding for us and finding oh. you know, finding a proper producer, um, certainly probably more from a, a, a technical literacy more than anything else. But um, so that, that's that been excellent um, oh, to, really? to find those. So you're like legit serious about this thing. You're kind of investing some money in it, huh? Yeah, not not too much because the way we see it is it's, uh, it's, it's probably to um, feed our love affair with books. <laughs> more than anything <laughs> it's else it's more self-fulfilling 
so it's 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 good it's good for us to have have that there and and you know learn along the way as we go right um and and we wanted to keep that because um Lockie, the guy who i host it with uh Lockie and i you know, have been friends for quite some time and you know that's kind of the primary focus rather than you know, turning into a hard and fast business so gotcha. we, yeah you know and as as things can kind of creep in if you creep too much into that space so we we certainly keep it um, focused around that and i think i think that actually helps us out with um, being a little bit more true to the value we want to provide in it right um yeah and does it are you reading more because of it? Does it give you more of a purpose for the reading or do you find like readings now a chore? Cause you're like, Oh man, I got to post an episode. What, what would be like catchy kind of a thing? Yeah. See, it's a, it's a, it's a double take. I, um, because of the books that we're doing, I generally thoroughly enjoy them. Um, and what it means is I actually probably put a little bit more front end work into what specific books I would like to read before I just pick up any random book, particularly because there's so many damn books out there. Yeah. Talk about, yeah, right. Like the podcast market saturated. If you go to a bookstore, Jesus, that's overwhelming. <laughs> can be scary. I use, uh, I use Goodreads and it's, I find not trying to get too sidetracked with you know other people's opinions and things, but right. it's, it can be a nice little sounding board just to go, is this something that I really want to, you know, dive into here and um, is this something that's really sparking an interest or a curiosity that I that I might have? So that's that's one little tool that we've we've picked up along the way and that's yeah, it's it's been really actually quite valuable. The it's actually good having this you know one book per week target. Uh, it's strange, but because we're generally reading things that are quite you know, very much enjoyable. It's not like not like being back in high school and being forced to read a you know, a novel that you had no interest in. Yeah. Mind you, we have come back to some of those and they, they, they've got a whole new light on them now. So, Dude, it's so it, it's um, literature's just wasted on the youth. You read like <laughs> um I'm reading the Chocolate War again. Um and I'm getting ready to go uh Animal Farm. I've read like half of Animal Farm and then I got distracted into other stuff. But like I remember reading those books in high school and being like, Oh man, cool, pigs talk. Oh man, cool. Like there's a kid and he's part of a gang and there's a secret club. But then when you really start thinking about it with like worldviews and perspectives and your own opinions and biases, you're like, holy shit, man, there's a reason this book is great. It's incredible. Eh? That's um funny, funny you bring that one up. That's actually, I think episode three of our podcast was oh, Animal Farm. No way. And, Fucking and- great book. <laughs> Jesus, I love that book. And it's a, like, it's a it's a nice succinct little story, and as you said, I think I think I, I wouldn't go as far as to say as I think it's wasted because I think it actually lays some some seeds, um, yeah, you know, some seeds in 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 the minds of the youth. But not that that's assuming that you're actually reading it in the first place. Uh, <laughs> so true, right? <laughs> I, so I, rem- true. I remember being in high school, and I was I was I was pretty hopeless in English. I think. Um, I even got to a point where I wouldn't even read the read the novels. And it's quite quite interesting how I've come full circle and and uh, I'm really invested in just how much you actually get out of you know sitting down to read a book. Yeah, and so you had said something about um like self help type stuff, and I guess I wanted to ask a little more about how are you. So part of your conversation around these books is helping people to understand the value that reading and thinking just has to their mental health, to their like physical well-being. Yeah, I think that's I think that's probably a maybe a byproduct of it and and hopefully hopefully yeah, we can encourage encourage a few people to, you know, pick up a book or pick up a book because I haven't seen it in, in a number of years. I know I've had a few friends that have been kind enough to listen to the, to the show and they, you know, these are people, some of them that maybe have never read a book since high school. And, you know, now we're moving towards the age of 30 uh, for myself. The, that's been a long time. And for right. them to now pick up a book is pretty, gives you a little, you know, a little bit of motivation 
little bit of encouragement to keep going. Right. Yeah. I wonder what is it about reading that is like fulfilling, right? Like you feel accomplished, even though you're like, I, not technically doing nothing, but you're like sitting down fucking, you can read two, three hours or whatever. And then you feel like, wow, I, I did something <laughs> and it's, it's leisurely at the same time. Right. But like, what is it about reading that just fills people? I, I, I don't know. Now I had a few, we've had a few interesting conversations around this very thing, but I think, I think there's a few key threads that come out quite often. If someone's written a book, um, there's usually been quite a bit of effort that's gone into it. You know? Oh yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's not, we're not throwing up a, a post on Facebook or Twitter, um, which mind you, sometimes there is a lot of thought that's gone into those, but you know, I suspect that a book has had a, quite a bit of rigor gone into it. So you, you've kind of got this, you, you kind of skipped up a few levels, right? Uh, if you will, when you're jumping into a book, you know, something that's, that's passed through a few filters to, you know, yeah, to cre- to make a it credible bit more thought put around. Oh, yeah, 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 it's it's yeah. you're interacting with an expert in that field, man. Like you fucking get over a hundred pages into something, like that person knows the author knows about the topic or the subject. Well, this is this is a really exciting bit because you get experts in their fields, and they might be in the same field, and they you know, completely disagree with one another. Right, and so that could be an exciting experience because you look you're getting to see two completely different ways. You know, to to look at look at the same idea or look at the same you know, same thing, and that in itself can be eye opening. Particularly if you you have you know maybe previously been on side with one of one of the experts, and then all of a sudden you discover this other expert, and um, all of a sudden you've you completely changed your worldview on things. Right? Yeah, it's the, that, per- that, the perspectives. Just gaining the perspective is huge, which is why reading is wasted on youths because they're so self-centered. <laughs> yeah, I haven't. See, I I haven't had kids, so I've only got my own anecdotal <laughs> stories to go off here. But I'm 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 sure I'll find out one day. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just I'm completely lying. It actually, the more the kid reads, it does exactly what you're saying, man. The more kids read, the more self-aware they become about their behaviors and about the behaviors of others, especially, um, like if, imagine if a kid never traveled and just like stayed in their one little area. And then all of a sudden you drop them a country kid into a city and you'd be like, how the fuck do I act? What are the norms? What's safe? What's not safe? What's okay. Right. But if they read, they've been dropped into a city, they've been dropped into a country. They've been, you know, they've traveled without ever physically doing it. So yeah, it's, it's a huge perspective builder. Um, and it probably humbles most people to be honest with you. And it helps you realize like how fucking big the world is. Yeah. There's some pretty, some pretty like powerful, um, literature out there, like stories and there's some pretty powerful biographies and autobiographies out there of some incredible things. Um, there's like obviously, you know, the Jack Kerouac stories, uh, and then you go down completely to the other end of the spectrum and you might have something, um, written from you know world war ii um and someone that's experienced time in you know concentration camps or something something of that nature Um, yeah yeah those um so um i was actually gonna ask do you have a preference of uh fiction nonfiction? do you gravitate towards something definitely gravitate towards the nonfiction. we actually what why would you make the worst choice oh ryan ryan no (laughs) See, we gravitate towards the nonfiction, but we did we did kind of in, employ this loose rule on the show that every f- within in, within like every five episodes we should be getting a fiction a fiction in there to have a chat about because there are some incredible things that that come out of, of fictions, and I think I think that's more you know the tendency towards nonfiction is just something that's dawned about just simply because that's the way that I entered back into the book world and, and probably my, my resentments towards doing English back in school, um, pointed me in that direction in the first place. So wait, you grew, uh, so you hated stories and you just love information. Is that a apt summary of your, uh, reading philosophy? <laughs> See, I've, I've completely changed now. Uh, but I think I still, I think I'd still wait towards the, yeah, the, the non-fictional spaces. There's just some, there's been some there's been some great non 
non-fictional books that I've read um, that have been kind of quite eye-opening. Um, like biographies, before, philosophies, um, like events? Yeah, like um, maybe let's just try and pull out some. You've, you've called me on the spot, but well, definitely yeah. one is The Black, the Black Swan by – uh, Nassim Nicholas Taleb. Um, if you're familiar with any of his work, he he's got a definitely. I'm not, but tell me about yeah, it. Black Swan. He's, he's got a he's got a completely different uh, different perspective to what probably most most people in the world. And again, this is where you get into the space of experts disagreeing with experts. Um, and his um, his whole mentality is around risk and uncertainty and probability and. Um, Whilst, you know, whilst he he hates the idea of uh, people actually being able to predict things, um, or that you know the past is an indicator of the future, yeah, he right. he would hate me saying that he had some. Um, I don't think predict prediction, but I'd I'd say he was saying that the chances of say the GFC happening back when it did uh, were so high that um, due to the volatility and a few other things that he um could be have or was certainly said on the news that he he predicted it so um and then he he wrote an article back in you know prime time um back in january just as you know coronavirus for example was kicking off and and basically said um we need to we need to act now and you know put some strong measures in place just to limit the spread, et cetera. And, and then all of a sudden it was ignored for basically a month and a half. And right. then, um, then there was some big, big act takes taken. Yeah. So he's, he's one guy that's, that's been quite interesting, but then you, on the other, the other end of the scale, as I said, um, you, I mentioned say world war two before, and you, you read something, uh, like by Victor Frankl. Um, and he, he was. He basically went through Auschwitz and uh, and a number of other concentration camps. And so his his um, small book, um, again, he he wrote kind of a, a nice succinct little book. Half of it kind of a biography, and um, half of it is basically his own version um, of psychological thought, uh, which is which is quite quite incredible. Yeah, to get insight into even just how you cope with that shit and go on day by day. Jesus, I couldn't. Yeah, well, the, and so this the 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 actual experience itself was was how he kind of came to found uh, what's known as logotherapy um, school of psychotherapy. So, um, oh, and that the the, the book itself yeah, is called Man's Search for Meaning for anyone that does want to pick it up, but it's just eye opening. And so these these are like those non fictional books, but then you look at the the more fictional space, and there is there is those those animal farms, um, there is the Jack Kerouacs and 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 others, um, endless others, and all, obviously all the greats that have that have that have come prior. So yeah, it's a it's an exciting world. There's there's plenty going on in the in the space of books. <laughs> yeah, no, no doubt. In the, um, so I'm a little bit of a Malcolm Gladwell fan and I think I've read maybe all of his, I think four books of his and, uh, this black swan seems a lot. Um, I don't know if it is a lot, a lot like tipping point. And, um, I just Googled the black swan and I really like the, the human tendency to find simplistic explanation for these events retrospectively. And it's like it, it the connecting to world war two and propaganda it is a little bit of a worry to me in like a Twitter and a Facebook and a quick post, the um, oversimplification of very complex ideas and thoughts leads to people being extremely ignorant and being able to be manipulated into thinking certain ways. Um, man, Black Swan, I got to get that thing. Yeah, I've always... Um, yeah, I, go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely worthwhile jumping on. Um, that one, it's, it's part of like an Inshido series. So yeah, but it, I, I probably, I probably talk enough about, um, I've probably spoken enough about <laughs> Nassim on, on our actual podcast. Uh, <laughs> I got to stop littering him throughout everything I talk about, right. Not, well, <laughs> but, I, but as you can probably tell, it's, it, you know, certainly, certainly a, uh, a different way of looking at the world. 
yeah, dude, if it resonates, it resonates, right? And if it's interesting to you, it's it, it's interesting, right? There's nothing, I don't think there's a, anything wrong with having like a go-to <laughs> or a reference, you know? Yeah, I've always, I've, I've always enjoyed, I think I, I've always gone to the literature where it's more like um, just different, uh, where you're like, holy shit, I didn't think about that, you know? Um, so what are, what are some favorites? What are, Have you got like a few standouts in, in that space? Uh, yeah. So I've been, I'm actually, um, a reading specialist, but at a middle school. So I a ton of my time gets put into, um, youth novels and, um, just young adult reading. And, um, honestly, I like values and lessons and acceptance is kind of like where I've been going. So Jerry Spinelli wrote this book called Milkweed. Have you ever heard of it? It rings a bell, but I no. Let's just assume no. Okay, so it's like a World War Two. It's set, the setting is World War Two Poland, and um, basically, you know, Poland got overtaken in a fucking what, like an hour. I mean, like the the Nazis just swooped in and you know they duped him. But and you never really know about the protagonist, and you can't tell if he's like autistic, if there's some sort of mental retardation, like actually with him. But he's super small and he's incredibly quick, and he's like the best thief there is the best snatch and grab guy ever made, but you don't even know his age because he's so small. And, um, like he literally opens the book and he doesn't even know his name. He feels his name is stop thief because that's what everyone says as he's running around the streets. So the kid gets hooked up and you get to see what the perspective of world war two was from someone who's completely ignorant to the totality of it. He's just a daily survival guy, right? And he's a young kid and he's like making friends. And how do these kids deal with being put into ghettos and how do they survive? And um, at the same time, it just, if you're reading it and you don't get caught up in the the kid's perspective as in like, it's funny, not, not funny, ha ha to him, but it doesn't make sense. And some things are funny. Like when they're beating each other to get the lice out of their hair, they're beating them like rugs, you know, they're holding each other up and they're just smacking each other. And it's, it's goofy to the kid and he starts playing because maybe that's what a kid would do at that time. But at the same time, you're like, Jesus, that's how you lived. And it just, it, it yeah. does, it, to me, it just does a fantastic job of putting you there and giving you a different perspective to understand how horrible it was, but without, I don't like making you not, not like not making you not sad because you get sad. I, I don't, I don't know how to describe it, but the, the point of view that was chosen, I'd, I'd never thought, Oh shit, that's a like, wow. How did you figure out to use that point of view to tell about this event? Yeah, it's pretty, it can, it can be pretty incredible just spaces and perspectives that those, you know, some of these great writers can give. And cause really what they're tapping into is that, that real deep seated emotion. Um, right they're sitting inside and you know, this, this has been a pretty catastrophic time and I'm not going to dwell on it, but uh, for some people to maybe, you know, take up reading, say that, that particular book or, you know, many of the others that have, that have been through you know, retellings of some very terrible, terrible events right. um, in time, I think might shine a nice little bit of perspective on, on the fact that you might not be able to go out of the house for a few days. Yeah, no doubt. Or you can't fucking go to the restaurant anymore. Oh my God, you have to just deal with takeout. <laughs> like, like, or, or, or got, you know, good forbid, cook yourself. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> dude, unbelievable. I'm, dude, I'm telling you, man, I'm fucking, I'm, I'm eating like crazy. Do you know, like, I mean, it's, if the food, and that's part of it too, that like shocked me is like the, the run on toilet paper versus why are you not just stocking up on meats and beans? And then it got there like three weeks later, at least where I'm at. Um, but if the food supply is able to be sustained and really it's just like, um, traveling freedoms that are pretty limited, I, I don't know. Like, is that really so bad? I'm, I'm sure there's been, um, <laughs> again, we had a chat about this the other day on the show, but we, we, um, I think there's been a lot of probably good that's come from, you know, come from this and and i think it's probably a good thing to to look at it in that way too um you know aside from all the catastrophe which there is you know a lot of really sad sad situations um going on but for but for many um 
it's also been a you know, some you know, quite a nice opportunity. Um, you've probably gained gained a few hours back in commuting time each day, or oh, you Jesus. might have yeah, found it's... found that you've picked up a hobby that you've been putting off for the last three years or something. Dude, um, who knew by staying at home a week is really eight days? <laughs> Like you have all this extra time because you don't deal with so much of the bullshit that like travel, work, even just thinking about like getting dressed for work versus roll out of bed if you want to and start your day. Yeah. So a couple couple of things on that. Um, Are you familiar with Nick Cave? No. Uh, So he's he's um, he's just a... He's a famous musician. Uh, he writes quite kind of lyrical, uh, lyrical things. Some pretty like dark. So he's, he's certainly in the more uh, you know, artistic, lyrical type space. And he, there's this there's this famous anecdote that uh, kicks around uh, related to his routine, and that is he he gets up each day. He will, um, you know, obviously have a shower. He'll have his breakfast. He'll then put his put his suit and jacket on, and then um, pick up his briefcase, make sure he's got everything packed up and, and right to go. And he'll walk out the front door. Now he has t- he has a few left turns that he needs to do when he's on his way to work. And so he he goes out the front door. He takes a left. He takes another left shortly after, <laughs> and then finally a third left, and walks in the back door through his porch right. and puts his bag down <laughs> and sits at his desk. And there's there's quite a there's quite Fucking a glorious. You know, it, it's a funny it's a funny story, but yeah. um, certainly for him, he he needs to enter that frame of mind. And this is actually something we spoke about on the episode, which is how how important it is. Um, to maintain some of those habits, um, just as you is it earlier, though? Like, but see, men- is it men- though mental health? Really? Do you, so that do you think it impacts the mental health of the person to like get dressed and kind of go through the routine they're used to? Of okay, now is work time. I think there's yeah, there's I know I, I can't call anything out off the top of my head in terms of um, some of some of the more you know the studies or whatever's been done around it, but I know there's been quite a bit of work put into just how important it is to to break between you know, a place of work and a place at home and so for people who are able to work remotely um i'm sure there's been a number of people that have just slipped into maybe you know, well i only need to get up and walk over there and you know, have some food i'll just i'll just wait keep working another couple of hours or you know i might might not log off tonight at all you know i'll stay online and jump on the emails and send a few oh. emails later at night. And that's a trap you fall into. Yeah. I, I was fortunate enough to you know, start working remotely um, prior to all this happened. Uh, and that is, that is definitely a trap you can fall into very easily, particularly when you're in, in time zone differences and things. And oh, right. so you need to, I think it's important to set some, some nice bounds on your day. And quite often people have probably actually had a more productive day uh, you know, as a result of say not having pointless meetings or you know having endless endless distractions all the way throughout the day, and you probably actually get more done in the hours that you've got. So you're probably getting all the work that you'd normally get done in in less hours. So um, again, job dependent. This is this is very much um, this is very much in the space of wearing a you know a shirt, shirt and collar type work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, obviously, obviously. You can't can't build a house um, without right. reaching home, so there, there is some inherent challenges there. But uh, I think I think there's been a, a lot of positives that have probably probably happened as a result of this. Yeah, I really, I mean, so two things. One, man, you, I think you've really helped me to discover just how unambitious I am because I'm like, man, I ain't got no problem fucking shutting the screen down and being like, ah. It's over. <laughs> See, that's like, great. I think that's a great thing because yeah. um, I'm I'm certain there's many many people that that probably go completely the opposite way. Oh, and, dude, it and, fucking tears them up. They're they're like, oh, I got to work. I I got I got to check. It could be now. Like even on the weekend. Like why the fuck are you checking emails on the weekend, dude? It's okay to wait till Monday morning. I've never understood like that. I don't know if it's anxiety or angst or like fear of missing out, like the urgency. But I'm like, if it's that fucking important, maybe they would call 
Like they'd find you. Everyone's connected now. So like if they're shooting you an email, you don't have to reply back within minutes. It's okay if you're off work to be off work. Yeah. And I think that's a, I think that's a bigger thing from, from culture itself. You know, uh, I think it's up to the organizational culture, which generally can't needs to come from, um, right up the top, top end, yeah. um, See, that's to, to make those type of changes. Because if, if the, if that's being allowed from the top, you know, that that type of thing goes on, then that's the culture that's being set, you know, directly right. or indirectly. So by not say intervening, um, on that type of thing that's going on, you're, you're in essence encouraging the behavior. Um, oh, got you. So, so, so if the boss that's, doesn't, it's one the, big problem. I'm sorry to cut you off, man. Um, but like, so then if the boss is like, why are you replying to this email on a Saturday? Stop it. Then the, then the employees can just feel like, okay, it's okay for me to be, um, logged off. Yeah, absolutely. And got I think, you. you know, to pull out, pull out an example company, say Basecamp, which, um, um, or you know, thirty-seven signals. I, I, um, I, I should say, who built Basecamp, which is a an online kind of task management and team management tool, which I'm sure has probably had a big boost um, in customers over the last um, few months or months at least. They they have a very strict, you know, you must log off type type thing, or you know, there's only eight hours per day, and then on a Friday we only do six or seven hours, and that's it. Um, there's no work outside of that. Yeah. Um, I'll, let me ask you, and I can't remember if it was exclusive to France. Cause at the same time I'll, I'll scroll through so many articles and you're kind of skimming and you're reading like, um, not just the headline you're clicking on, but you're reading almost like the, the, um, titles or topics. But I thought in France they were kicking around like a six hour work week or a four hour work or not work week, work day, like a four to six hour, super productive work day. Am I am I wrong about that? Uh, you you are probably talking to someone who lives far too under a rock um, to be able to pull up that. Gotcha. I wouldn't I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but I yeah I I strangely haven't been watching a great deal of news. Um, I feel like this was almost a year ago. Yeah, the news now is all corona centered. Like Jesus, nobody wants to talk about anything else. It's 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 disheartening. It's like the world has fucking stopped. But what do you think? Like, what would your ideal workday be? Do we still need forty hours a week, eight hours a day, kind of a thing? Or are you more like a productive? Hey, man, here's your task. Get it done. You get it done, and you're done. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I think we've hit on a few interesting pieces there because. Um, I think it's, I think the part of it is comes down to the individual, you know, um, as I said, some people probably need pretty tight boundaries on their day just so that they either stop working or, you know, maybe even in some cases get enough done. And then maybe on the other end of the scale, there's people that might be able to do what I do in six hours in two or less. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think there's no kind of one size fits all. Um, and I think it's, you know, it's very industry dependent. It's very you know, organizational dependent. Right. It's very even you know changes from country to country and culture to you know general culture. So, yeah, that's a good point. Because I just um, wonder with the working at home, it almost makes you feel like I, I wonder if a lot of people feel like Jesus, my forty hour work week, I'm actually knocking out now in like twenty hours. And I wonder if there's a fear of like, well, wait, I get paid blank money to work blank hours and it's like proportional or ratio. So now all of a sudden, if my hours that I'm working is lower, now is my worth lower? So now I have to like keep almost this facade of the 40 hour work week during this time because I want to keep my value to whoever my superiors, my bosses. And I wonder if that's going to be like a thing or will we accept it and be like, shit, dude, 20 hours. Cool. The job pays this. You got it done. Great. Yeah, certainly from firsthand experience um, and jobs that I've been through, the the ones that I've enjoyed myself more are the ones where you, you know, it's kind of you just get done, get done, and we don't mind, you know, right. type thing. Um, 
well, in that space, you know, there's, there's, there's the, you know, just get done what you have to get done. We don't mind, but we kind of do mind. Just make sure you float around this kind of hour range. You know? <laughs> right. You know, and, and so there's kind of these un, unspoken things that are going on at the same time. I think you, I think in terms of, um, say, say the four day work week, which is, which has been one, I think it's been studied at a number of different places. I think Tasmania, um, this is the Australian in me coming out, but um, I think Tasmania did a study at one of its organisations there um, just around that four-day versus five-day um, work week. And the um, impacts were, like, huge just as people's, you know, for the organisational productivity and, That's and what it was. cultural uplift, which is quite interesting. Yeah. But again, it, it kind of it doesn't apply necessarily everywhere. Um, yeah, it was yeah. so. It wasn't that when you said that it just jogged my memory. Um, I think it was a corporation, possibly in France. I believe the corporation was in Europe, and the study was like, "Dude, we're all gonna fucking commit to like, we're not sitting around the water cooler or the coffee machine having a fucking ten minute get to know you conversation." We're fucking coming into work. We're knocking work out, and we're doing. We're going ten to two with no lunch break, and then you're fucking done for the day. And I think it was a tech company, and they the increase in productivity just from that tone being set of work is work. Fucking meet up earlier at nine thirty if you want to shoot the shit with people. Go to happy hour afterwards, but ten to two, you're fucking locked in, man. And uh, it's something about that condensed deadline that does make people more productive, right? Yeah, and it's also like opportunity for for focused work. Like right. uh, Cal, Cal Newport for another book plug um, wrote a book called Deep Work, and um, those that have read it will, will definitely resonate. But it it literally focuses on this very idea about how important it is to have those solid blocks of you know, time just to get into things and not be interrupted every three minutes or every right. every twenty minutes because something urgent has come up. Right. Um, which in itself is a is a bit of a a fallacy. The whole urgency. There's many things that simply aren't urgent. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but not in the moment. Everybody feels they are. Let me let me ask you this. It's it, funny. It depends who's asking. If I'm asking, then maybe it is urgent. Ex- well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> to everyone, it's urgent. Um, Correct. So you had mentioned um, Australia. Let me ask you this: Tasmanian Devil. Is that like a racist racial thing? Why should I feel bad that I like the Tasmanian Devil? Do you have any opinions on the Tasmanian Devil? Now, I, <laughs> I have a few Tasmanian friends, and they. So I'm 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 a Melbourneian um, or a Bendigonian um, originally. Uh, for anyone that has any familiarity with with um, the Great Down Under, but. <laughs> The Tassie, look, the Tassie, Tassie Devil's still kicking around. I've got no, no um, preconceived ideas around the Tassie Devil. It's just doing its thing. Gotcha. Um, no. Well, because like, spe- <laughs> well, so like, Speedy Gonzalez to me is racist as all get out. Like, you're just like, it's almost like Abu and the Simpsons, where you're just doubling, tripling down on this stereotype for humor. And I was wondering, like, never really spoken to an Australian person about it, but like. How is that Tasmanian devil received? Now, I might have misinterpreted what you were saying. Are you talking about the actual animal or are you talking about the Looney Tunes character? Yeah, no, yeah, the Looney Tunes character, the cartoon <laughs> character, right? Like, like, how do people, when they're portrayed as a cartoon, well, and you, people aren't getting portrayed as the cartoon, but like, there's got to be some reason that fucker spins and is crazy and out of control and nuts, right? Like, so then do people from Tasmania think like, this is how we're seen over the fucking world. Like if I fly over to the States and like, I say I'm from Tasmania, do they think I'm just going to wreck shit, start spinning around, go nuts? Do they think I'm like a wild animal just because of the name or word association? So this, this probably isn't like, it probably doesn't, uh, shift the, you know, the, the idea of the Aussie, um, you know, crocodile Dundee Uh, (laughs) man, man from down under. Right. Yeah, that'd be and, another one too, right? Does yeah, that does that and, piss you off? You're like, fuck you for portraying us that way. <laughs> so yeah, I you know, and I don't think I don't think people mind too much. Like I this is literally the first time I've ever heard um I don't think I've ever heard a Tasmanian be offended by the idea of the Tasmanian devil. 
um, which, you know, um, some of my, yeah, some of my really close friends, as I said, are, are Tasmanians and, um, yeah, it's never been brought up because they do, the, the people from down in Tassie do love to talk about themselves. So I, <laughs> cause they think they're on the better, better island. And so, oh. um, no, I, I, I have never heard that. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, I'm going to bring, I'm going to bring that up. Dude, yeah, it, it makes me wonder. And if you could um, send any of them my way who want to talk, I'd love to fucking listen to their stories. Jesus. But like, I mean, like you, you think about it and like with the stereotypes, right? Like I don't think there – was there an Asian Looney Tunes? Looney Tune character? Like Russian, I thought. But like there was no Egyptian one, right? So, wow, Looney Tunes. Yeah. See, I – now I – I know the Looney Tunes, right? But my like cartoon of when I was growing up was probably more the Simpsons, and maybe oh, that's right. just like, but maybe that's just my age, uh, or maybe it's just where I was I was growing up. And so, yes, I did watch the Looney Tunes, but I they're not super super like fresh in my mind, right? Um, well, because they actually, were definitely. I guess why I'm going to them is like they were their their origin was during some like fucked up. Hey, it's okay to almost be like racially insensitive type times <laughs> right and like so you wonder like speedy gonzalez origin like you're mocking the way hispanic people talk a little bit there <laughs> right yeah it's tough hey and, so, and you look back on that now and i i imagine that there's there's simply some of them that can't be you know that can't be screened anymore or yeah know, they wouldn't be done push today over, push over the boundary in some ways that is probably not past the um you know, the PR tick from, from in, right. inside the uh, Looney Tunes warehouse. Yeah. Or at the same time, then you go like down the South Park, which took like the Simpsons was edgy, right? Like they would definitely um, push it. And it's fucking hilarious how the Simpsons like are prophetic in nailing just different things about like the future. Um, but South Park went all in on, we're just going to fucking offend everyone. And if you know that our job is to offend everyone, then we're accepted for being offensive. <laughs> Yeah, that's it, and it's kind of like you've, you, uh, by signing up to this show, you know what you're signing up for, like yeah. to, to watch. So, um, <laughs> if if you, you know, if you're offended by anything, expect that the the ones that made the show aren't going to care, right? Um, because the whole you know the whole premise of it is to be a satire, which maybe maybe because Looney Tunes is much more of a you know a younger younger age bracket um maybe maybe that keeps it keeps it out of that really hard satire zone and right. because they can't take things as to the extreme that uh south park does that right they, they probably they probably sit in this gray area they almost sit in this like they're not quite over the line they're not quite under the line in that regard that that they they sit nowhere but as i said i'm just I'm probably not familiar enough with all the characters within Looney Tunes yeah. and haven't kind of analyzed them to, to pull it apart. <laughs> yeah. It might, it might be my next great deep dive. Cause I, I just get real interested in um, portrayals and like what the artists, what the writers are thinking and their thought process in, Oh, this character will represent this, you know, I just, I, what what other core trails have you been down? Any other really notable ones that you've dug into a little bit deeper? No, because again, I have no ambition and I'm lazy. I'm probably just saying the shit and I'll like Google it if I'm bored and then that'll be it. Like I won't even really click. <laughs> you got you to find someone else that's done the work for you and then you can just watch what they've done on YouTube. Dude, 100%. That, that would be my lazy self. Um, although like when I start talking to people too, um, like just different um, – Thoughts on conspiracy. So there was a podcast called uh, Disgraceland. Have you heard of the Disgraceland podcast? No, I haven't. Oh, no, Jesus. Fill me in. Talk about some fucking great editing, dude. So this guy um, takes like um, famous musicians and then does almost like a um, sort of like a true crimes kind of spin of something that they've been through. And he tells the story in in a fucking fantastic way. The guy has a great – like you've got a podcast voice, man. And the guy has a podcast voice. And – so there was this one about John Denver um, being the third shooter um, that shot Kennedy. 
and he was the one that killed Kennedy. And then at the very end, spoiler alert, he's like, yeah, I just always wanted to kind of make up this fake podcast. And it was an April Fool's podcast. But for like an hour, you're all fucking in. Like I would have testified like that John Denver was the fucking assassin of Kennedy. And he was like a maturing candidate type shit. And the way this guy spins all these tales together and combines all this information, you're like, dude, you've gone down some fucking rabbit holes. So I, I just I like that kind of stuff interests me, but I don't know if I could do the two week study and going on the Reddit clicks and like combining the information to really come up with like a kick ass theory like that. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm impressed. I'm impressed by some of the people that pull these off and turn them into, you know, full blown movements. It's, it's, it's actually quite impressive because they've, they've nailed, um, nailed some of the psychology behind it all and, and why these things happen. It's, it's crazy, man. So, and I'm looking at the clock now, cause you said you had to go at five. Um, and I really, honestly, like, it's funny, we've been like kicking about like theories, but I literally haven't gotten to know much of anything about you, Ryan. Um, but let me ask you this since you have to go. So I'm trying to do this segment where I end the podcasts with your best first for last. We've saved the best first for last. Sponsored by Abstinence. Waiting makes it worthwhile. One of my best firsts. Best first car, best first job, best first experience, best first embarrassing moment, best first love, best first fail, best first whatever. Do you think... uh, I think that my first mm, you've, you've almost stumped me here. I think I think I have warmed myself up enough about talking about myself to actually draw back on some, something that's worthwhile to pull out here. I'm, I'm certainly I'm definitely not one for those those real quick witty um, uh, responses about something they've done. See I, I see those people go through the um, the fast fire rounds of um, oh no! See, I, I I look at it actually as more like again going towards that like story thing. So like for me, the um I shared the one example of like the best um the first time I was ballsy enough to tell a girl I liked her in fifth grade, and it was like this little note that I snuck into her book bag, and I was like, "What's gonna happen when she finds it?" You know, or like the first time um I went to buy a car, I had cut grass all summer. And I saved up money and I thought like $400 was a huge amount. And I found an ad for a $400 car and I'm like, this is going to be fucking epic. And again, I'm condensing it because I wanted to be more about you. But I like rolled to this place for the car with my $400 and it was like a fucking 1928 antique Ford Roadster some shit. And I'm like, that looks terrible. There's no way I'm going to get girls if I have this as my car. <laughs> and like the disappointment that I experienced working so hard, that was my goal. And it's like, you dumbass, why didn't you, like, how do you not know that 1928 means 1928? You didn't even look at that for the ad because you were an idiot. You're 16 years old and all you thought was like, man, I got to grab a car. See, what about now if you had that car? Oh, well, dude, well, if I had the balls back then to like own it, it probably would have been fucking, it would have been hot because no one else had a car like that, right? So yeah. yeah. I think and, as, long as, as long as it wasn't like rusting on the, uh, on the bonnet and you know, where, yeah, you yeah. See the, where you see the pain oxidation roll all the way through and everything's clipping off. Yeah, exactly. I think, I think you could have, you could have, you could have made that work for you. Oh, for, maybe. But yeah, something like that, man. Like a best first, first time you discovered pasta. I don't know. <laughs> Okay, so um, I'm thinking. I'm thinking. So the I'm not going to bring up. You put you put a car in my head, and I'm thinking about my first the first car that I bought, and it was this extremely bright blue car, um, and it was I'm trying to think of the blue like sky blue. Is, is what I, is the best I can come up with. So it's like a sky blue car. It had these dark black wheels on it. And um, where, where I'm, my hometown, Bendigo, is, is renowned for 
for doing what's called rat laps, which is basically where you all drive around in your car as you know, as loud as you can, making all this noise um, to show off to, I don't know even know who, because there's no one else around because <laughs> it's nighttime. Um, and so that was, that was, that was the first, the first car that I had. And then when I maybe grew a little bit, little bit more sense, it, all, all of a sudden I, I kind of opened my eyes and looked at it and I was like, this thing looks ridiculous. <laughs> Not to mention it sounded ridiculous too, because it was, because we we're doing our rat ups. It had to be, had to be this really loud, loud um, exhaust system on it. Oh, okay. I was and wondering, so we, is it exhaust and radio straight radio or yeah. It's both. God. See, oh. the, but, but see, there was, there was cars kicking around that had, um, they would have had sound systems in them, like custom sound systems in them that were worth three times the price of the wheels that, the, that they were sitting on. Um, no, no doubt. That, that's the best thing to do is just pour yeah. tons of money into a real shitty car. <laughs> I know. I, and some of these, some of these guys would open up, you know, so open up their boots and they've, they've got this like fully custom, um, you know, two packed, uh, custom made and shaped stuff, subwoofers, yeah. and amplifiers and all kinds of things sitting in, in the boot. Uh, you know, and it, the boot kind of has like hydraulic lifts and whatever, oh. hop, you know, lifting itself up. And, and then God, that's glorious. You're, you're kind of, you're kind of immersed in this, in this boot space. And then they go, okay, well, that was, that was it. And they, you know, they show it off and make all this noise. And then, you know, the, the, the boot lowers down and then, you know, it's revealed that there's this like Toyota Corolla and this is old school, like old school Toyota Corolla just sitting there <laughs> right. like, ah. Yeah, okay. So how far did you get into it with your car? Like what, what made it be ridiculous aside from it's just sky blue and had like dual exhausts with some fat pipes? That was, see, luckily I had my old man, which I was, I was, I was getting tempted in all these situations, um, <laughs> but probably fortunately for me, I was, I was still living at home and uh, what it meant was when I proposed the idea that I was going to start looking at putting some sound systems and things, cause that's, that's where the real, the real kind of money comes out, particularly right. when you, you can't do much engine work because that was a, one of the restrictions for these early drivers. Um, yeah. The putting in the, the, the sound systems is where the dollars starts to very quickly add up. Yeah. Um, even, even just to like sound dampen and things cost so much money. And Thankfully for me, my old man was there to, to you know, be the, well, I was going to say the, the one in shining armor, but you know, it was really the, the dark night, and he, <laughs> he, he, he implored that I don't spend my money on doing that. So, for, for whatever reason, at that that particular time, I listened to him and um, didn't end up spending all the money on the on the sound system. So, I didn't I didn't get much further than kind of the lowering the exhaust, the you know, doing minor internal stuff like neons and that. But uh, Okay. I, uh, I was going to say had wheels. to have neons, right? Had to have yeah. some lights on the inside to just. That's, 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 a, that's a must yeah, if you're doing that. And did you go rims and all that too or no? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We had the, not, not the, like not spinning ones or anything, just, uh, yeah. but just big, big rims. Um, but For, I'll tell you what, I, I think I got off pretty light, which, which I'm, I'm glad about. I had I even some like close friends who were just spending thousands and thousands of dollars, and then then they somehow were still convinced then to buy another new car, which probably <laughs> you know, and then and sell the old car with and lose all the stuff that they basically put into it. You know, right. they might make a, a few extra dollars on it because they've got all this ridiculous stuff in it, and then sell off the car and then buy a new one and and then start doing the same thing to that. And you're like, yeah, yeah. What are you up to? No doubt. Just fucking, yeah. Just, just, uh, I don't know. It, I like, I picture someone just like with a bucket in a sinking boat and you're just like, instead of plugging the hole, you're just booting the water out. And it's like, dude, the water's coming right back. Fix the hole. I guess the, um, the way you got to look at it is it's just a really expensive hobby. Yeah, exactly. Uh, right. It is. Cause like you would play, I, I would play the same golf course over again. People would be like, why are you back here again? It's like, I don't know. Something to do. What, what was the music 
are you guys like gangster rap over there bumping that? Uh, see, there 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 was definitely some of that, but we probably when, when I was coming when I was coming through, it was definitely getting into the more electronic space. Oh, I uh, knew it, techno. Fucking knew and it. I, I I did have again. This is this is like the uh, the new podcaster. Back then, it was like the new DJ, and I did have a stint at. Um, you know, being a DJ as a result of the interest Shut that was kind of spiked out of um, electronic music. So that was that was four or five years. Ryan, see, the, the, now I'm upset at you, man. You put a time limit on it for an hour. I finally got you opening up, man. And that we might we won't be able to do another time, Sean, later down the track. Yeah, man, I'd, I'd like to because, I mean, it's cool to talk philosophy and shit, but I guess ultimately I was trying to get to know you. I got to know a lot of your thoughts, <laughs> a lot of your opinions. See, I, I, I see, I don't even think we even got into the uh, into the philosophy yet. We we can delve into that next time too. If you yeah, really barely. Yeah, man. <laughs> Block out a couple hours, dude, for sure. Let's uh, I'll have you on again, man, because this uh, this be like actually, honestly one of the shorter ones um, that I've posted. It, it's pretty easy to go two, three hours, to be honest with you, man, especially with people with um, thoughts and opinions, you know? Well, let's, let's, uh, let's keep that in mind for next time. All right. Awesome, man. Yeah. Fucking best first car gangster. Hey, let me add before you go, dude. So when you kept saying they dropped their boots, I had no idea what that meant. I was trying to listen along and play like I was cultured. What, is that like a part of a car? Is that like a, like, uh, is it like a word the, for car trunk? Yeah, you know, yeah. So the trunk, okay, like, which, which we call the boot, um, not to be confused, yeah, with the booty. So they weren't like dropping their pants or anything. This is this is, <laughs> yeah, this is the the trunk of the car that would open up and be on like a like a hydraulic arm or something. Yeah, so, yeah. All right, all right, cool. So thank, thanks, thanks, thanks for thanks for picking me up on that. Yeah, because I'm sure I would have been misinterpreted by the majority of your audience. Which, um, <laughs> I'm assuming it's probably probably from the US. Uh, yeah. Although we get some Canadian, um, I've had people from Spain and London on, um, so yeah, a little bit Denmark for some reason, six people. I don't know if you're in Denmark currently. I thought you were in France, but six downloads in Denmark, which I was like, huh. That's uh, interesting. Yeah. We were in Denmark last year, but no, no. Yeah. Part of the France. strategy, I just randomly follow, um, different people on Twitter. And if someone retweets a person, I'll just start following them. And then I'll like cold message them almost like you like, Hey, come on on. I'd love to hear your story. Like you're fucking, you post all kinds of cool shit. Um, so that's kind of my grassroots marketing technique. So I'm hoping it can spread and you can get people from different countries and time zones just to understand what they're thinking, what they've been through, you know? Yeah. I love it. I love it. It's, um, everyone, everyone loves a chance to probably talk about themselves. So, um, yeah, at least at least you have a, a steady stream of people to talk to. Right. So it's it's really really great. All right, man. Well, yeah, dude. Um, I'll I'll be persistent with you about blocking out two three hours at some point. Um, do you drink at all? Are you like a red wine I, guy? I I love I love a um. I've got a. I think I've got an. I'm gonna get this wrong. I think I've got a latrapiste um, triple sitting in the in the in the fridge for me at the moment, which is like yeah. For, for beer, it's for those who don't know beer. Um, it's like a triple triple brewed beer. Um, oh, geez, absolutely so it's sensational. Twelve like percent. Uh, this one is, I think it's about yeah, about nine or ten percent. So, and and I bought I bought the uh, the wine size bottle of it. So, oh, dude, that's uh, glorious. Which means when you open it up, you've got to get through the. You got to have have a lot of it. So um, I'm looking forward to that for this Friday night, actually. So. Oh, dude, yeah, man, let's do that. So I'll day drink over here, and you can evening sip over there, and let's I'll fucking go get. So for us, it's Dogfish, which is our um, local thing, Dogfish Brewing. Um, let's do that, man. Let's fucking go through a bottle and um, explore your mind and your thoughts. I would love that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a nice little. Uh, Nice little catalyst to allow allow people to drop their inhibitions a little bit, Sean. It's uh, it's clever, <laughs> right? Yeah, man. Uh, I, I honestly like, I, yeah, man. Let's do that when we can get more time, man. I, I want to be respectful of your time, but um, yeah, an hour is just not enough to be honest with you, man. You really want to, because it takes people a little bit of time to get comfortable, you know. It does yeah, cool. It does. All right, man. Well, I'll, I'll keep. I'll I'll stop myself from rambling and uh, <laughs> let you go to be respectful. Thank you so much, Ryan, for uh, getting on. It was great getting to know a little bit about you, man. Appreciate it. 
thanks a lot, Sean. It was uh, had a really enjoyable time. Yeah, and thanks, I man. Bye. I'd like to thank Ryan for taking time to share his thoughts and want to take the time to remind him that he's basically verbally agreed, which is legally binding, to come back on and actually allow us to get to know him and not just his thoughts. <laughs> Thanks to Dryer Sheets for sponsoring today's show. Take a moment out of your busy day to inhale and prevail over static clinging stench, all because of a dryer sheet. Please, friend, follow, listen, subscribe. And if you or someone you know has a story to tell, please just message us. We'd love to have you on and listen. Au revoir.